in Ecclesiastes tonight, and, and uh, we just, I think we had one lesson on this before, about uh, for revival when Brother Cody was here, and I think his first message was on Ecclesiastes, because I know Miss Sandy asked me afterwards, said, what are you going to do now? And I said, well, by the time I get back to doing it again, they'll damn forgot everything he said anyway, so uh, I'll just go right on doing like I always do. Uh, I wanted to do Ecclesiastes, and I wanted to start it in December, and I wanted to do it because uh, Ecclesiastes uh, has a lot uh, really to say about uh, worldliness and the material things, uh, maybe a better word there, and of course, coming right up on Christmas, uh, that's usually wherever minds, everybody's in America's mind is upon material things. Uh, uh, but I, I don't remember exactly where we stopped at, so I may backtrack just a little. If I do, uh, just have patience. We won't backtrack much. Uh, but Ecclesiastes, uh, of course, uh, is the name of the book. and uh, Or, uh, Schofield Bible says, Ecclesiastes or the preacher. And uh, if you believe the book, it tells you uh, who wrote it. Uh, in the first verse, the words of the preacher, the son of David, and so that's Solomon, and uh, he is the writer uh, of the book. Uh, the key phrase, and it's, and you have to keep this constantly in mind, uh, because if you don't, you'll you, you'll kind of get stumped going through it because of some of the things that said in comparison with some of the things that you know from the New Testament. Uh, uh, the key phrase is under the sun. And everything that uh, Solomon has got to say, he's saying it from a perspective of a man uh, that is uh, looking at things under the sun. And uh, that makes a whole lot of difference uh, when you look at things under the sun. Uh, it does look the way Solomon writes. Uh, for instance, he's, uh, he makes a statement like there's no difference between a a dead man, a dead dog. Well, when you look at it under the sun, it looks that way. A uh, dead man uh, gets run over by a car, laying in the street, dead dog laying in the street. Look like there's no difference. And uh, just uh, uh, a lot of things. Jehovah's Witnesses love this book. They get a lot of their doctrine out of the book of Ecclesiastes because they teach that when a person dies, if they're not saved, uh, that they're soul, body, everything's just annihilated and they don't live anymore. And uh, they get that out of the book of Ecclesiastes. But where they mess it at is they fail to catch that phrase that he's looking at things as under the sun, as under the sun. And uh, looking at things that under the sun, when you look at a person that has passed away uh, and you see them laying there and and it does look, look final. It does look like that's the end. Uh, but when we uh, go to the New Testament as well as the Old Testament in the right places, uh, we find out, even in this book, we find out that the Bible says when a man dies, the spirit goes back to God that gave it, and uh, the body goes back to dust. Uh, so uh, even in this book, uh, it, uh, it tells you that much. But, of course, uh, places like uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 9 where the Bible said uh, 
to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And, uh, of course, we have uh, Moses and Elijah. Uh, Moses died in the Old Testament. We have him appearing on uh, Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17. Uh, so, obviously, he went somewhere when he died. And uh, so, you know, all kinds of things. The Bible said Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. And then uh, Hebrews tells us that God translated him that he would not see death. Uh, so, uh, you know, a lot of things there. But just by, just by way of introduction, uh, we'll start in about verse 6 of this book of chapter 1. And the Bible said, The wind goeth toward the south and turneth about unto the north. It whirleth about continually, and the wind returneth again according to his circuits. And uh, a circuit is something that goes in a circle. And uh, that's why that uh, he says here that uh, he says, The wind goeth toward the south and turneth about to the north, and it whirleth about continually, and the wind returneth again according to his circuits. Well, uh, we know if we watch the weather map tonight, uh, we know that every, every weather map we've ever watched, uh, they always got them trade winds going across the map. And uh, that's what makes your weather, those, uh, those uh, trade winds. Of course, they didn't know that in uh, 977 B.C. Uh, they didn't know that. Uh, it's, uh, it was long after that before men even knew about that. And what that does is that tells you that somebody greater than a man wrote your Bible. Because men didn't know nothing about that in, uh, in 977 B.C. A long time after that before they knew that. And uh, so this thing that goes in a circuit, that's how they can kind of predict the weather. Uh, you know, get close. That's, that's how on your phone they can, uh, they can predict 10 days weather out because they go by those trade winds. And uh, they're usually pretty much the same uh, year after year after year. And uh, so uh, uh, it's also a fact that everything pretty much in life runs in a circle. Uh, it's just, just that way. Uh, for instance, in verse 4, he said, One generation passeth away, another cometh. Uh, one goes, another comes. Uh, we know that uh, if you do much hunting, if you've ever done much hunting with a pair of rabbit dogs you know if you jump that dog here that rabbit here if you'll just stand there and wait long enough them dogs will bring it back around uh, and a lot of other animals like that too cause things go in a circle uh, we know verse 7 goes along with this verse and we know that the, the, the Bible said the rivers run into the sea and yet the sea is not full uh, unto the place from whence the rivers came thither they return again so what he's saying is it's a circle. The rain comes down, goes in the earth, evaporates back, comes back down again. Uh, it's just a circle. And uh, uh, I showed that uh, uh, DVD here a few years ago uh, by Theodore Elp, who used to be a coast-to-coast -coast Bible preacher. And uh, it was all about that, about the oceans and all that. And uh, he says in that, pretty much proves it in that video, you, I've heard for years and years and years we're running out of water. He says we're not, we don't have any less water than we ever had. Uh, he said uh, 
the water comes down. God has a filtration system that that water goes through the earth. And you know what's in the heart of the earth? Uh, fire. And uh, so it's a purification system. And then the sun draws it back out and it goes back up and it comes down again. And he sa says, well, people say, well, the, uh, the Red Sea's drying up. Uh, people talk about places where there used to be a, a river and there's no river there no more. He said we have the same amount of water, but he says, and you read about this in the Bible, he says that God moves it around as a way of judgment. You remember in the Old Testament there'd be famines, and God would withhold the rain one place, but He'd send it somewhere else. And uh, it, it was really good. I think I showed it about twice. And uh, But that's what it's talking about is how that uh, all of that uh, makes a... Uh, makes a circle. So all this just proves your Bible uh, is the Word of God. Uh, for instance, uh, the winds, nobody knew about that. But who knew about evaporation in 977 B.C.? Uh, nobody even knew about that. Of course, you got places like Isaiah 40 and Isaiah 40 and verse number uh, 22. Uh, that's a real good verse to show people that uh, they say, well, the Bible's just wrote by, uh, Bible's just wrote by men. Uh, well, men didn't know that when the Bible was wrote. Had to be somebody knows more than, than just men. In Isaiah 40, uh, verse uh, number 22, the Bible said, uh, talking about God, it said, It is He that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. Man didn't even know the earth was a circle. Uh, when that was wrote, 712 B.C. You remember studying in school, you remember uh, Christopher Columbus was afraid he was going to sell off the edge of the earth. And, of course, you even got these uh, people now, these flat earthers, uh, they call themselves. Uh, but the Bible tells you in uh, 712 B.C. that the earth is round. That tells you that God wrote the Bible because men didn't know that back then. Uh, actually, about 13th or 14th century before men even knew that. Uh, you have uh, several places like that in the Bible. Another one's Luke 17. And Luke 17, verse 34 through verse 36. And the Bible said, I tell you, in that night there shall be two men in the bed. One shall be taken, the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding together. One shall be taken, the other one left. Two men shall be in the field, the one shall be taken, the other one left. Now what's interesting about that is not that there's women grinding or there's men in the field or that there's two men in the bed. Uh, what's interesting in that is ever who wrote that had knowledge that on one part of the earth it can be daylight and on the other part of the earth it can be dark. Because uh, you got, uh, you got uh, two men in the bed, but you got two men here working out in the field. Uh, so ever who wrote that Bible knew a long time before we knew it uh, that one part of the earth was daylight and the other part of the earth was dark. And uh, so don't throw your Bible away yet. Uh, it is true. Amen. And uh, thank, thank God for the, uh, for the Word of God. All right, let's look at uh, verse 8. And the Bible said uh, in Ecclesiastes, verse uh, 8, it said, All things are full of labor, 
Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear uh, filled with hearing. And uh, everything involves some work. You say, well, I know some folks that don't work. They have to work at it. I, I was thinking this week, I was thinking about... Uh, I think about these people I see, and you know, if they're legit, my heart goes out for them. But I'm thinking about these folks I see, you know, standing 12 hours with a sign, uh, we'll work for food. they got to work at that. Can you imagine how tired and, and how boring that it would get standing there for 12 hours with a sign asking people for food? Well, it'd be a whole lot easier to go to assembly line and work eight hours and go home. Uh, you see, everything involves some work. Even if you don't work, it involves work. Uh, the other person's job is always looks easier than yours. You ever notice that? I mean, preachers, you know, they got it made. They just work one day a week. Uh, but it's but always the other person's job. You say, man, they got it made. And it always looks easier, but you never know till you go work that job. Uh, sometimes you find out it's not so so easy, and uh, that's what keeps things going. He said, uh, "He said, there's verse nine. The thing that hath begun is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done. And there's no new thing uh, under the, under the sun." Uh, you got to remember right there, under the sun. Uh, he said there's no new thing. Well, that's what keeps, uh, that's what makes the world go around. You say, what do you mean? Well, everybody's always looking for something new. I mean, if everybody's just satisfied with what they had, and they didn't want a new car, new house, new clothes, new shoes, uh, I mean, the world go bankrupt quick. Uh, but, uh, we have these covet machines called television, and they put these new cars on there, new suits on there, new food on there. Now you got all these food shows and all these other kind of, that you could even imagine, and uh, they always make us want something new. And uh, the world, uh, the world makes a living by saying new and improved. Uh, and uh, some things, I just don't see how they could be new and how they could be improved. Not much way to improve a toothbrush after 400 years uh, or, uh, or toothpaste or, or all that stuff, you know. But he says here that man is never satisfied. Uh, he says all things are full of labor Verse 8, man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing nor the ear filled with hearing. We don't never see enough. That's why vacation spots always keep going. We don't never hear enough. Uh, that's how the news is able to stay on every night and all these other things uh, because uh, uh, man is never satisfied. We are, uh, for the most part, a dissatisfied uh being. The Bible said in Proverbs 30 and 15, there are four things that are never satisfied. The grave, the barren womb, the earth that is not filled with water, and the fire that saith 
not it is enough. So he's looking at this under the sun. And he says, you know, it never comes to where a person dies and the earth said that's enough. We don't need no more bodies in the earth, no more burying. No, from looking at it under the sun, looks like the earth's always saying, give me one more. Give me one more. Uh, the barren womb. Uh, I know we live down to a time when it ain't like it used to be. In Bible days, if a woman couldn't have a child, uh, you know about uh, Rebecca and Leah, and if a woman couldn't have a child, that was the worst thing that ever could be, if a woman couldn't have a child. Now a lot of, lot of the women today, they don't want no children. That is, unless they can't have none. You say, what do you mean? You always want what you can't have. And so women that can't have children will spend X amount of dollars and drive X amount of miles trying to have a child. And uh, sometimes it might be uh, the Lord's plan to don't have one. I wouldn't say all the time. Uh, I will say this. Uh, if you study women in the Bible that didn't have no children and they were barren and, uh, and yet uh, they prayed and prayed and God gave them a child, those are always exceptional children. Like Hannah, Hannah had Samuel. Like Manoah and his wife, they had Samson. And uh, you go all the way through the Bible like that. Uh, I don't know why that is. Maybe the Lord just does it because they, uh, they prayed, they wanted it so bad. Uh, I, I really don't know. But it is true when you follow it through the Bible. Uh, okay. Uh, Ecclesiastes 1, 9 through 10. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. Verse 10, Is there anything whereof may be said, See, this is new. It hath been already of old time, which was before us. Now we have to remember again, he said under the sun. Uh, and notice what we just talked about. We just talked about one generation coming, dying off, another one coming. We talked about uh, the sun making its circuit, the wind making its circuit, the rain coming down, going back up. And, uh, and he's looking at all this under the sun. And he, and he says there's no new thing under the sun. You know the way uh, I used to hear people say it, I don't hear it much no more. I remember my... Uh, maybe my grandparents saying it, maybe uh, daddy, I remember him saying it some, but people say, oh, it's just the same old six and seven. You ever heard that? And uh, when you're looking at life under the sun, uh, it does look like there's not anything new uh, because uh, you get up, you go to work, uh, you, eat, you eat breakfast, you eat dinner, you eat supper, you go to bed, you go right back through it again sometimes for 50 or 60 years. And, uh, and Solomon, he's looking at that, and he's saying uh, there's nothing new under the sun. By the same token, a lot of things that seem to be new, they're not really new. Uh, like uh, I, the first one I ever heard say it was uh, Senior Bush when he was president, and he mentioned the word the New World Order. And then they picked up on it. 
And now we hear, we've heard it for the last several years. We've heard about the New World Order. Well, the New World Order is not really anything new. That's what uh, Nimrod was trying to do in Genesis 11 when he built that tower up to heaven. Uh, and everybody had the same language. And uh, it was like a, a one world language. Everybody spoke the same language and God looked down and God said it ain't good. He said if we don't do something, He said there's nothing they won't be able to do. And God uh, confounded their language. That's why it's called the Tower of Babel because Babylon means confusion. And so when God messed their language up, they couldn't understand each other and they had to go off in different places uh, with those that talked like they talked and uh, got things to uh, where it has been. But now, now we're almost back to that same point. You say, why? Everybody don't talk the same language. No, they don't. But I had a, uh, a guy at Modi Yard last summer for a while, Gus, and, uh, and Sam and Sheila introduced me to him. And uh, he was telling me about sometimes when they, uh, they talk to people and they can't understand what they're saying. Uh, he said some of the Hispanic people, they can type it in their phone and vice versa and it'll interpret for them. So with the Internet, it's actually possible to talk to everybody on different parts of the whole world. Yes. Yeah, now that you mentioned that, uh, we run into one like that too. She was a Mexican lady, and she come out, and uh, I couldn't understand anything she was saying except she wanted me to come in. And uh, we, didn't, we don't go in on visitation. And uh, then she got her phone out and uh, had that kind of deal like that. Uh, what, what America's going through right now, it's not new. It's the same road that Rome took. Uh, when you study Rome and its downfall, America is taking the exact same path. You say, what's going to happen? Same thing happened to Rome. Uh, it's what's going to happen. Did you know there's nothing new under the sun? Uh, Mary Kay, cover girl. Did you know archaeologists have discovered that Egyptian women 4,000 years before Christ was born they like green eyeshadow and blue eyeshadow and black eyeshadow and red rouge and orange and red fingernails. Nothing new under the sun. But each generation gets worse and worse and worse. Now there is some things, you know, if you want some new things, you've got to look above the sun. Amen. Uh, but there is some uh, new things. You know, these things are new. Uh, they're really new. I've seen an interesting article the other day. Uh, we just used, recently got one of them fire sticks. Y'all got a fire stick? All right. Well, it's easy. Because all you got to do is just say, uh, Perry Mason, please. And Mr. Mason comes right up. You see, back a few years ago, we could push a button and bring it in. But that wasn't good enough, so now they had to do something better than that. 
So now all you got to do is speak. We're getting lasered by the invention. But now all you got to do, do is speak. But I seen a thing today that's not good enough. That's not quick enough. Just speaking it. This is some of it already has happened. Bill Gates is involved in it and a lot of others. But they implant a thing in your head. And as soon as you think it, I wouldn't have to say Perry Mason. I just think Perry Mason and it'll, it'll make it go. Yeah, uh, Sister Linda, that's exactly what the fellow said. He said, can you imagine having the internet in your head? You talk about a bunch of crazy people and a bunch of wild things going on. Now that stuff's you know, it's all new inventions. It's new to us. But if you really want anything new and lasting, you have to look above the sun. Uh, all new stuff comes from above. The sun came from above. He's a new and a living way. Uh, the new song that we get when we get saved, that came from above. He had put a song in my heart, even praise unto my God. The new birth or getting saved, that's from above. Jesus said you got to be born from above. That's from above. The new Jerusalem, the old Jerusalem, it's war, bloodshed, bombing, killing ever since it started. But the new Jerusalem, it comes down from above. And the doctor can put you in a new knee joint, uh, elbows, uh, back joints, uh, teeth. Uh, he can give you all these new stuff. But if you want a new body, it's got to come from above. Now, the Lord said He's going to give us a brand new body. Amen. So when uh, and I and and you know I have taught that uh, in the past a little bit wrong there, because I caught myself when I said there's nothing new under the sun. I was saying there's nothing new, but I failed the the phrase that you cannot forget when you're reading this book. He said under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. And when you look at things under the sun and in the uh, previous context, you might, you might feel that way. Verse uh, 11 said, There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of the things that are come with those that shall come hereafter. So what he's saying is, uh, how soon we forget. How soon we forget. Uh, we have short memories unless it has something to do with somebody that's done us wrong. Now that part works real good. We, a lot of times we have a hard time forgetting somebody that's done us wrong. Uh, but really our, our memories are pretty short. Uh, talking about nothing new under the sun. Uh, four years ago, Donald Trump, uh, it seemed all new, but really... First time I seen him, my mind ran back to when I was about 13 or 14 years old and there was another guy running for president called Ross Perot. And uh, really pretty much the same makeup and same kind of guy, uh, you know. Uh, me and my wife on Sunday nights, a lot of times uh, we'll watch the uh, Ed Sullivan reruns. Y'all ever watch them? Uh, we watch them and of course they're... 50, 60 years old, a lot of them. And a lot of things that you're just crazy about when you're about 14 or 15 year old. 
And you watch them say, my God, how did I even like that? Things that you used to get down in the floor and just roll with life and you watch it and it's not even funny no more. You think, how was that funny to me back then? It's not even funny now. Uh, we forget things. For instance, a few years ago when I was working at the factory, uh, everybody talked about Bill O'Reilly. He was the man on Fox News. And, of course, he's been gone for a while, and I hadn't thought about Bill O'Reilly in years. Uh, out of sight, out of mind. Uh, we forget about people. Uh, one preacher said, uh, when he was teaching along this line, he said, I guarantee nobody's thought about Elvis Presley all day long. People that at one time was a household word, nobody thinks about them. What did Cheryl say? I have... <laughs> yeah, my wife's birthday was December the 5th, and uh, I let her sleep late, and I went in and had my phone, and I had Elvis Presley singing happy birthday to her. <laughs> Thing about it, she seemed like she liked it pretty good. <laughs> but I tell you somebody else that, he ain't been gone that long. February 17, 2021, Rush Limbaugh. Uh, I mean, he was a big, big name. Uh, people's gone, they don't think about it much. When I'm gone or when you're gone, uh, after a month or at least a year, won't nobody think much about us except our wife or mom or dad if they're still living or somebody like that. Just the way it is. I don't know how y'all are, but sometimes I get feeling guilty because I don't think about uh, even my mom and dad every day. Uh, I don't think about them every day. But I get a little comfort because I think I asked mama one time if she thought about her mom every day, and I think she told me she did. That's just human nature. Don't mean you don't love them. Uh, don't mean you don't miss them. Uh, it's just, just the way life is, isn't it? September the 11th. We wouldn't even remember that if they didn't remind us every year. Uh, it rolled right on by. And the pandemic of 2020 seems like so long ago. Uh, we still remember it. I'm sure people uh, like Brother Marty and Sister Connie, they'll never forget it. And a lot of folks like that. But for the most part, uh, we have a short memory, and I guess that's, I guess that's good. I don't know. Ecclesiastes uh, 1 and 12. I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. The preacher turned politician, which is mostly always a mistake. Uh, they usually end up selling out. Solomon did. I like Mike Huckabee, but I believe he's right now a lot more politician than he is preacher. And I'm, uh, I guess, been a little judgmental of him. Uh, but uh, I think he's, uh, I, I see more politician in him than I do preacher in him. Uh, people, I thank God there is some people wrapped up in politics that, that are preachers or whatever. Uh, good to have a voice like that up there, but uh, most of the time if uh, God's called you to preach, uh, that's what He's called you to do. Uh, and I'm not judging for anybody else. Like I said, I know there's some folks that 
God has led. Jerry Falwell, we didn't, a lot of us didn't like him at the time, but what we'd give to have him back now. Uh, his moral majority did a, a lot of good back then. There have been a few uh, good preachers, uh, but normally preachers don't usually make good politicians. Uh, Caleb will find out next time he gets jury selection when they find out he's a preacher, they, they won't, they're done with you. They won't want you. Uh, you. You say, why? They're, they're expecting you'll tell the truth, and they don't want that. It's happened to me many, many times. Uh, Andrew Jackson was elected president in 1828. He died June the 8th, 1845. Before his death, he had this to say with his family all around him. My dear children, do not grieve for me. It is true I'm leaving you. I am well aware of my situation. I have suffered much bodily pain. But my suffering is nothing compared with that which our blessed Redeemer endured upon the cross, that all might be saved who put their trust in Him. God will take care of you for me. I am my God's. I belong to Him. I go but a short time before you, and I hope and trust to meet you all in heaven, both white and black. What I wouldn't give for a president like that today, amen? No racist problem there. Uh, he loved him. He loved him. Uh, Ecclesiastes 1, verse 13, he said, I gave my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This sore travail hath God given to the sons of men to be exercised therewith. All right, hard task here, hard task here. And... Uh, he says here that he give his heart to seek and search out wisdom concerning all things done under heaven. Under heaven. That's a big task. That'd be enough to drive anybody to drinking. Solomon turned to wine. Solomon turned to women. You say, what was he doing? He was trying to figure out everything that had happened. You can't do it. It'll drive you crazy. You can't figure things out. Some things, it's not all two plus two's four. Sometimes it just don't add up. I was thinking, as I studied on this verse today, I was thinking about Brother Grady. And, uh, you know, he preached his son's uh, funeral uh, yesterday and uh, over in Arkansas. And a lot of people don't know this, but Brother, Brother Grady was in a terrible car accident himself in November. It totaled his car completely, uh, pile up in an intersection. Uh, he did not get a scratch on him. And one hour later, he was standing in the pulpit preaching where he was on the way going. Now, if you'd had a wreck one month ago, totaled your car completely, you didn't get a scratch on you, one uh, uh, you, one hour later, you're standing in your in the pulpit preaching, fulfilling your obligation, and pretty much one month later, your 47 year old son gets killed in an automobile accident. 47 years old, and you would have to wonder why did I not get a scratch? Why am I still here? 
and my 47-year-old son is gone. That's human nature. And you know, if you thought on that and thought on that and thought on that, it would drive you crazy. It would mess you up because you can't figure it out. So God's Word, uh, God's Word tells us that we just have to trust God on these things. And I know it's easier said than done, but that's the only way we can get through it. We just have to trust that God has a purpose and God has a plan. Uh, he said this is a sore travail that we go through trying to figure out uh, everything. Uh, but we're that way. Uh, the Bible uses the word here, exercise. Well, I can tell by looking, not too many in here do much of that like myself. But what that is, is, you know, get down, get up. Get up, get down. Uh, that's, what, that's what that is. And that's the way life is, see. What we go through in life, it exercises us. You say, what do you mean? We're on top of the world, we're on the bottom of the world. Uh, we, take, uh, we get a lot back on our income tax. We take it and put it in the bank. We put that in the bank one month later, the car blows up. We take that out of the bank and have to borrow some more to go with it. Uh, that's, that's just the way life is. You get sick. Yeah, you get the flu. You get sick. The Lord bless you. You get well. Then you get sick again. You get well again. And uh, all these things are part of life. And life can wear you down. You know, I hear about people's knees wearing out. I, I hear about people saying, I can't remember nothing no more. Their, uh, the brain cells are dying. Their brain's wearing out. But you know something I never do hear anybody say? My nerves are wore out. But when you go through life and you're going down and up, down and up, sick and well, sick and well, good and bad, good and bad, after about 75 years of that, your nerves ain't what they used to be. It wears out like everything else wears out. Uh, a lot of times we don't want to admit it. Uh, God's... Uh, ...stuff out of us. Some of that sickness and... And some of that uh, bad luck, some of that, that's God's way of getting stuff out of us. My wife, she says, I got too much pride. Well, if I got any, I got too much. Isn't that right? Uh, and, uh, and we all got some, but God hates pride. And, uh, and I believe before, by the time we get out of this world, if we stay very long, God will get every ounce of pride out of us. Amen. I mean, uh, you know, I like I like my hair comb. I like I like my clothes iron. I like to look well. But if I live long enough to be ninety years old and go in a, a nursing home, I won't care what my hair looks like. I won't care if my pajamas have got wrinkles in them or not. You say why? I have reached the point God's been trying to get me to all my life. I don't care. 
I don't have any pride left. Uh, you say, well, does that work with everybody? Oh, I've seen a, I've seen a few prideful all the way to the end. You say, why are they so prideful all the way to the end? Pride. They just don't want to confess I was wrong. I need to get saved. Uh, I, I haven't been good. I'm a sinner. But I've seen them. I've seen some. I remember one man I used to uh, work into the back of him every summer as a boy, and uh, and I, I loved him. I thought a lot of him. But I went to see him on his deathbed. Of course, by then I was I was uh, starting to preach and everything, and uh, and he was not a bit interested on his deathbed. In fact, told me to leave the room. I even asked to pray for him, and he said, "I don't need your prayer. Go ahead and leave the room." That about killed me as a very young preacher. But I understand it now. Uh, just the pride of man. Uh, hard to admit that you're wrong. Amen. Well, he uses that word in verse 14 again. Vanity. He said, I've seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity. And I meant to go to the dollar store and get one, but I forgot about it really. Slipped my mind, brain cells dying. But I meant to go to the dollar store and get one of them little bottles of bubbles that we bought our grandkids by the hundreds. And I wanted to use that to illustrate what he said. He said, all is vanity. Uh, Billy Graham, years ago, I heard him preaching one of them classics. And, uh, and he said that that word vanity means a bubble at bust. That's what it means. And I wanted to get one of them little things and I wanted to blow it out there. And say that's what vanity is. It's it's just a bubble at bust. We start out with all these big dreams. You remember when you graduated? If you did, you remember your class was number one. You were going to be the world changers. You was going to do things different. And fifty years later, you're just like your mom and dad. You didn't know better than they did. You say, what was that? That was a bubble. That was a dream that we had, but it busted. Busted. It's like these, uh, a lot of young men, you know, they don't want to get saved. And they say, oh, uh, I don't like them these and thous. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. As soon as I leave mom and daddy's house, ain't nobody ever telling me what to do again. And they leave there and join the army. <clears throat> you say, what is that? That's that bubble that bust. You remember when you ladies got married and you thought she was going to live happily ever after? That's that bubble that bust. That's the reality of life. That's what Solomon's doing. He's looking at life as it is under the sun. That word vanity, what's the root word of that word vanity? Thane. So what do they call these things where these ladies... They go and sit at and they put their makeup on and fix their hair. What do they call that? A vanity. Being vain. Uh, that's, wh- that's where the word comes from. That- that's what it means. The further you go in this thing, the more you realize you're just a speck down here. And uh, really, Jimmy Hood said it the best. I've heard a lot of preachers say it since then, but Jimmy conned the phrase... Jimmy said, all we are is animated dirt balls. And God made us from dirt, and that's what we are. 
And the quicker we learn out, the quicker we learn we're not nothing, the more God can use us. Because if I'm not nothing, I've got to have somebody that is. That's the Lord. So the less we think of ourselves, the better off we are, really. So uh, that's the way it is. And he says that all that is a vexation of spirit. They get tired of it. You remember what the Bible said about Lot down there in Sodom? He stayed down there, but uh, don't ever think he liked it. He liked the money. He liked the prestige. But he didn't like all he had to put up with down there because the Bible said, we wouldn't even know he was saved if the Bible didn't tell us in Second uh, Peter, but the Bible said that righteous man vexed his soul day by day. In other words, it troubled him, it bothered him. See, we don't like this uh, same-sex marriage stuff and we don't like these uh, women that think they're men, these men that think they're women. If we got anything about God in us, that troubles us. That vexes. We're not, I don't want to be mean to them. We shouldn't be mean to them. Uh, they need to know about the Lord. Uh, we do know that there's. A, uh, they don't. It don't happen by the hundreds every day, but we do know some that got saved and changed that lifestyle that was their besetting sin, and they changed just like we had besetting sins, and we changed. But by the same token, there's something that vexes us. When we just, just just see it out eating, you see it across the table. You see it come in. It just vexes, troubles you, vexes your soul. That's what Solomon's saying here. He said, I have seen the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. I think I could say this and be honest. And there are a lot of days that you and I get up and say, What's the use? And I have to talk to myself, and I say, Now, self, you need to straighten up. You know better than that. You know God's Word taught you different than that. And uh, you don't need to look at things that way. But I have to tell myself that. Uh, because there's days that sometimes I get up, and I'm just tired. And I'm wore out with all of it. And if I listen to my flesh and listen to myself, I'd say, I'm done with it. But the flesh lusteth against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh so that you can't do the things that you would. That works two ways. And the Holy Spirit, He gets talking to you and gets reminding you and uh, it gets better. Amen. Let's get verse 15 tonight. We'll quit there. That which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is wanting cannot be numbered. Right beside that verse right there, right beside it, this is the trouble with Washington. That which is crooked cannot be made straight. That's under the sun. That's under the sun. Mankind has been crooked a long time. Uh, you know, if we was crooked for 30 years and then we got saved, we've been crooked a long time. We're going to have to be hooked to that book and it pulling us over. It's going to take a while for us to get all the way over. Don't you think so?
Mankind has been crooked for a long time. That's why parents, you know, I, I've said this. I've had my parents say it to me. Uh, uh, you know, you get you get that bad posture. They say, straighten up. Or they put their hand back there and push it in your back and say, straighten up, walk straight. It's hard when you're crooked. Amen. Dr. Walter Wilson, who is a tremendous doctor, preacher. He was a doctor turned preacher. And if you get any of his books, get them all, especially you preachers. And Dr. Walter Wilson, who studied stuff like that, he said, and I've never never tried this or checked it out, but he said, ever climbing vine always climbs to the right. Green beans, uh, flower vines, they always climb to the right. And he said, if you take them and try to curl them around to the left, he said, in three days they'll be died. They'll be dead, dried up. You say, why? That which is crooked cannot be made straight. The Bible is true. The Bible's not only a, a spiritual book, the Bible's a history book, and the Bible is a book uh, filled with. Uh, Information, good information, amen? It takes more than a penitentiary jail cell to make the crook straight. Most times it makes it more crooked and makes it more, more worse. you gotta, you got to have more than that. Under the sun, that which is crooked cannot be made straight. But, above the sun, God can take things that are crooked as a barrel of snakes and make them straight as an arrow. But that comes from above the sun. Amen? Amen. All right, let's stop uh, there tonight.